All right, uh, welcome back to Alt Centrism Central. And today we have a thing for you. We have a debate on the topic of the Great Replacement. As always, here with my co-host Joe. Hello, that's me. We also have well, uh, this is a this is a collaboration project that we're doing with uh, Omens Channel. Hello, I am from Omens, from uh, the YouTube channel The Omens, um, coming to debate the Great Replacement. And as well, we have uh, Mike. Mike, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, good evening. Uh, my name's Mike. You know, looking forward to the debate. Thanks for inviting me. All right, and uh, I think we'll uh, begin by kicking it off. So for the debate on the Great Replacement, Omen, you were on the side of the Great Replacement. That actually exists. Is that correct? Yes. And Mike, you are debating that it does exist. That's correct. All right, then uh, I think we can start off with some uh, an introductory statement, kind of preface of what is the Great Replacement according to you and uh, why you think it exists or doesn't exist. Uh, which one of you wants to go first? Um, I, I don't... I don't mind having Mike go first, yep. or Joe. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first real go quick, because my position is just pretty simple. Um, uh, quite simply, I do think that it exists, but I, I don't think it's necessarily intentional. Uh, I just think that the rate of immigration that uh, Europe is currently experiencing is affecting the demographics. That's all. Okay. Okay, well, um, you know, obviously, I disagree with that, because I, I, I think that the, the the immigration is due to a reason and the reason is 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 obviously often spouted as war displacement things like this but these people are, are leave are moving through countries where it's quite easy for them to claim asylum and they're not they're, they're spreading out evenly and organizations like the eu are trying their best to manage it and put people where they need to be but on the same token when you look further back into this there are actual documents which state exactly what is going on now and that's the position i'm going to be arguing from or debating from rather all right um, all right i oops, sorry go ahead Ted. i'm uh, going to segue to you i think it's um construed with certain mathematics and comparing net accumulation to total accumulation um i think it construes um certain things like uh net migration into certain European countries and declining population growth as a national thing rather than a global phenomenon. Um, I think it used to be called such as things like the uh, the Calgary plan that originated from, I believe. And it used to be called um, something called the uh, white genocide as a previous thing. And it has now been called the the great replacement. That's correct. I mean, my position. With, with... Yeah, I mean, with the, the two separate um, descriptions of it, I mean, a, a lot of people would like to say it's the Great Replacement, but really, I, I mean, the the white genocide term comes from a, an evolution on that, from where the UN's guidelines and their, their, their sort of description of what a genocide is describes what is actually happening here, in my opinion, of course. Um, now, using the UN's... Description of what a genocide is that was then coined to make it sound obviously more serious, and, and, and I think that that was the general evolution of the term. But I, I use both terms the great replacement and uh, white genocide, and, and white genocide, yes, yeah. 
and the Calgary plan is the the origin of it. The Kalerji plan is uh, Kalergi, is sorry. yeah. No, that's okay. I mean, I may be saying it wrong. It's a German name, but the Kalerji plan is is is. I mean, to give a bit of background, um, Richard Kuhn of Kalerji. He was a, a, a an Austrian, half Austrian, half uh, Japanese diplomat in the 1920s. Very, very heavily involved in things like um, the pan-European movement, which which aimed to unite Europe without any borders. And he, he mm. had a theory, I mean, and he, he does talk about it in the, uh, what was it, um, Practical Idealism, I believe, the, one of his books. He talks about um, the, the warlike nature of European uh, uh, nations. And he says that in order to, to formulate one nation out of us, the, uh, the, the borders need to be dissolved. And the only way to do that is to break the people's spirit and take their, uh, I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but to take their identity or their association with the land away. And the only way to do that is, to, uh, is, to, is through interbreeding. And, and I mean, this is set out in a book from 1926. This man then went on to be, to, to be one of the founding fathers of the EU, not in its current form, but in its early days. Um, he's even got a, a, an award. I mean, it's, it's in his honour, which is the um, Charlemagne Award, which which pretty much is given out every year to people who are seen to be working towards European unity. And I mean, the people. I'll read you out the list of names that are on it later on. But the the, the names on it and their policies that they've put forward and their sort of a lot of them seem to be open door immigration types. And they've all won this award for furthering what's known as his plan. I mean, it's over a series of books, but it's, it, it, I mean, there's so, no English translation of these books either. I, I mean, you have to rely on the translation from German sources because it's written in Austrian. So uh, can I uh, interject here for just a moment? Um, of course. It, it is a little bit off topic, but I, I disagree with his, um, Mr. what was his name again, this, poly, this uh, diplomat's name? Kalergi. Kalergi. Uh, I, w I wasn't sure if the plan was named after him or if he just coined the term. Um, anyways, uh, Mr. Kalergi, I, I disagree with his notion that the only way to create a unified European state is to dismantle people's national identities and um, uh, and take away their, their nationalist pride. If you look at the United States, for example, instead of taking away their pride for say uh king and country or for the states or colonies that they that they lived in you can instead build a common pride or a patriotism for their country uh, i i really don't think that it's necessary to break people down to build something up uh and yes the united states did have problems with uh you know people uh being more patriotic towards their state or you know states rights versus uh federal authority things like that but in the end they they were able to successfully form a country with its own national identity um and with more or less open borders so uh yeah i i just disagree with that notion yeah of course and, and to be honest with you I, i'm not going to fight against it because i disagree with everything that he's ever written <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's the enemy to me so you know i mean um I'm just going to read you a little excerpt of his book, though. Um, this is this is from the uh, uh, Practical Idealism. Okay. The man of the distant future will be a hybrid. Today's races and castes will fall victim to the overcoming of space, time, and prejudice. The Eurasian Negroid hybrid race 
similar to ancient Egyptian, will replace the diversity of peoples with a variety of personalities. For according to hereditary laws, the diversity of the ancestors increases diversity, and the uniformity of the ancestors, the uniformity of the offspring. In breeding families, one child resembles the other, for all represent the one family type. In mixed bodies families, the children are more different from each other. Each represents a new variation of the diverging parent or pre-parental element. And I mean, that, that gives a, a little insight into, into what, what is effectively eugenics, and which is what he's proposing. He's proposing a, a, a watering down of the family unit as well, which is something that we've seen throughout Europe. I mean, uh, more so in, in England, which I know the best out of all of these countries. But I mean, and the social problems that that then it, it creates. I mean, it, we can go on and on into tangents and whatnot. I don't really want to sort of hold the pedal stall for too long. So if anyone else wants to jump in, I mean, but this this is this is what I'm I'm sort of arguing from. This is a plan to eradicate or, or to water down European people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, go next. I personally would say, when it comes to the net migration of being replaced, a replacement or what would be known as a genocide, by the definition would be if it's a, a deliberate attack on certain people. So what I'd like to ask is, who is deliberately trying to replace the, the native white populations of Europe and USA? Well, I mean, the, the list of the people that have been awarded the Charlemagne Prize for one. I mean, mm -hmm. the thing is, these these things are not going to be policy. You know, nobody would ever get voted in on a policy that this uh, that mentions this because it's very, very hard to... Uh, it's, so it's very, very hard for me to sort of point you in a direction where I can say this person says this. But when you look at it on the whole and you start looking at the individuals and what they... and the policies that they bring in, I mean, look at Tony Blair. I mean, before him, and he's a, he's a holder of the Charlemagne Award. Before Tony Blair, we was taking in a net migration of around forty to 50,000 per annum. After him, we was taking on half a million. And, and I mean, these ever since then, we've never dropped below those numbers. It's a constant march. And, and, and it's ridiculous to, to consider that we're bringing in half a million people each year we are a finite country with finite resources, and and I I, I disagree. I, I I refuse to sort of believe that this is down to stupidity. I mean, our politicians are stupid, but they're not completely stupid. They know that we are a finite country with finite resources. Okay, um, I guess um, for the audience here and uh, for everyone else, I think um, we'll go see if we can go through the statistics of what we believe the current net migration to say UK specifically for example is okay. okay. Yeah. Um so um according to twenty eighteen um the EU has citizens from the twenty fifteen era and from the non EU from the twenty fifteen era when the big wave was happening at this time. Um the the EU citizens did decline. In eighteen it went to about what, fifty thousand I think, um net migration. Yeah. And when it for the non-EU, I believe it is. It wasn't half a million; it was a quarter of a million. But that is perpetuated to possibly increase under the Tony Blair policy. Yeah, so it, it would eventually make it to half a million if it were to keep at the same level. 
So, so what is that? Is, is so is that's two thousand and eighteen? Because I mean, uh, twenty eighteen, not twenty. Uh, yeah, that's that's two, two, sorry, because I've got I've got twenty nineteen figures in front oh, of sorry. me. Sorry, and yeah, and and the actual deficit. The, so the net was uh, two hundred twelve thousand. Sorry. So yeah, you are right. I'd, I'd read the uh, I'd read the um, the total. So we had six hundred. Like this is not two thousand and nineteen. So six thousand six hundred nine thousand uh, migrate here. 397 left which leaves you with 212,000 but the point of another factor which isn't covered on the, those statistics is the people that are leaving i mean a, a lot of them are your british people emigrating to uh, australia canada places mm. like that they are the demographic that, that that is being replaced i'm not i can't say that with any certainty because it's not recorded but i know that from experience or, or from what i've seen i know so many people that have left the country because of this and and it, it, it may only be my region that i'm living in and, and i mean uh Oman, you'll probably have a different perspective from where you are in the uk but i mean from where i am i can see that people are scrambling to move away from the ever encroaching tide of, of, of migration. Okay. I'll say this. Um, I don't believe what is currently happening is a replacement. I believe what has been happening is a demographic change. Is it because of stupidity? Possibly. I do think there's a bit of malice behind it. Um, essentially trying to be a progressive ideologue. Tony Blair's policy was pretty close uh, or pretty much the same as an open border policy to some. It's close to it, but it's not quite, I would say. That was a very bad move, and it has caused quite a lot of problems. It has caused some benefits, such as like GDP increases, but that's what generally happens to any immigration change. If immigration increases, GDP and the economy does well, but um, housing income, or, uh, sorry, household income, and inflation generally gets worse for the majority of other people. And like, you could say the wages are also damaged eventually as well if it gets too high. Of course. That's uh, back and forth of what does happen during immigration. Another, I, I guess another fact we could also add in in 2019 statistics is it doesn't account for illegal immigration as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. I don't believe it is a million. Um, I've heard that statistic go around. I do not certainly believe it's a million. It could go into the tens of thousands, and um, that would be more likely, I would say. So that could go into current number 250 of the non-EU citizens to maybe being about 290,000 non-EU if it was non-EU only. However, this demographic change is happening in other places of the world too, such as um, United Emirates of Arabia, or the Arab United Emirates, sorry. They are also going through a similar change. So is um, Burma. There are similar connotations of Rohingya Muslims going into Burma and replacing that population. So the Rohingya Muslim, sorry, the Rohingya Muslims are staying stable about four percent. But United Emirates is kind of like an African population going into, and it's sort of, people are arguing this is replacing the Arab population, and this thing. These are things which are total debates of deficits and declines in population. But this isn't a European or US phenomena. There is like birth rates declining in like every country in the world. 
um, even like uh, Muslim population growth are declining around the world. And this is a phenomenon of it globally that birth rates are declining. Now, changing that with immigrants, yes, sure, that could help keep a population stable, but projected growths are still going to be smaller. The reason I don't believe this is a replacement per se is the difference between net migration and uh, accumulative migration. The reason I disagree with the replacement theory is because if you have 50,000 whites and maybe 10,000 um, non-whites in a country, if yeah. you go in 10 years and it's still about 50,000 whites, maybe 60,000 whites actually, we'll say 60,000 whites, but then it becomes 20,000 non-EU. They've both increased by about 10k. The cumulative income is still different. So you'll maybe get an increased percentage of the non-whites, but the whites will still round about be the same. And I um, think that would be a debunking of... When it comes into statistics suggesting that the white population is going to be a minority by 2050, 2060, 2070, the suggestion is going to be the minority overall. But what it doesn't take into account is that it will still be the majority demographic. It's just that the percentile of the accumulative races are different. Okay, so can I can I jump in here real quick, talking about the numbers? Did we say that um, the UK is getting an average uh, high of about 500,000 immigrants per year? Or is that just something uh, that I read? Non-EU, yeah. And uh, British, if you want to count the ones coming back. But yeah. Okay, so 000. if we are going with that number, keeping with that current number until, say, 2050, that would be 30 years. So after 30 years, you'd get 15 million immigrants, hypothetically. But that's assuming, of course, that there are enough immigrants to come from, say, for example, uh, these Middle Eastern countries with the refugee crisis. E even if there are enough people who want to move out of those regions and go to uh, Great Britain, 15 million compared to the about 50 million um, white British people. Uh, I was looking at demographics. I couldn't find anything past 2013 or 2011. But still, they make up, uh, white British people make up about 80% of the population, give or take. 15 million versus 50 million white people are still going to be a majority by 2050, going by the immigration statistics. But then, you'd also, you'd also have to take into account birth rate and uh, people leaving the country, too. But just going by immigration alone, it doesn't look like um, they... I mean, sure, the the percentages will change, um, but it doesn't look like white people are going to be a minority by that time. You do have to take into consideration the birth rates, and I mean, uh, currently in the UK we have a, we have a uh, birth rate of one point seven children per woman. Um, this is this is the UK on a whole, really. Uh, in France, they have one of one point three. I mean, traditionally uh, or, or classically, uh, civilizations never returned from being this low and, and and it's proved time and time again and the trouble is is that the people that are coming in and, and the, I, I do watch the demographics quite closely i mean an african woman hers is about six you know i mean so so for every one and a half children we're having an african woman's going to have six so if you're talking about 15 million african women against 50 million 
50 million British women and every British woman's having under two children and every 15 million African woman, women is having 1.7 on average. I mean, that's when it does start to become a problem. And it's, it's, it's I mean, you've got to understand the, the, the mentality of, and, and, and this isn't a generalisation, but of migrant populations in countries. I mean, we see it ourselves with British in Spain. They stick together. We see it with migrant populations in London. They tend to gravitate towards each other. They, they tend to vote the same way. They tend to send their kids to the same school. They are, they form sub-communities, or not sub-communities, but a community within a community. And, and integration's never pushed. And this, this, the number would be a problem even with integration, because it would be a watering down of the, the, of the population as a whole. But there is no way that a country that struggled to feed 50 million people during the Second World War on rations can sustain 70 or 80 million people. This is another issue. And, and these are the problems, I mean, on a, on a geopolitical perspective. I mean, if something does go wrong in Europe, which it could do at any moment, we must be mad to have increased our population by that much for some cheap, cheap economic gain. And, and, and really, I mean, I love my country and I love my people. All I'm not, I'm not generalising against any of these people, but I just want to feel secure in my own land and I want somewhere for my children to grow old in this land. And, and that, is, that is the driving force behind this. And I know, sorry, I'm babbling on and I'm going to let somebody else have the floor. Uh, Joel, do you want to speak? Um, I would like to interject with something. Um, is there anything you would like to say? The only thing I, I really want to say is uh, I would like to talk about Germany's immigration problem at some point because it is much more severe than the UK's, but you can go ahead with That's what you want to say. Uh, Michael, this would be a question I'll ask uh, towards you. Yeah. When you mentioned earlier um, the average uh, birth rate for an African woman is a sex pair woman. Yeah. Is, is I wrong? Sorry? Was I wrong? Oh, Sorry, have you checked that? Oh, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, are you talking about an African immigrant who has just came to the country? Or are you talking about a, a woman who has maybe African parents or grandfather was African? Are we talking about uh, an it African immigrant or parents? It will it, be the population. It will be an African woman. It won't be uh, uh, somebody of descent because they're considered British after that. Okay. So, okay, so what you what you're what you're getting at is is it exponential? Does the next generation then have that many children again? Is that what you're asking? Not yet. Um, but though okay. I, I'm about to mention that you're quite nifty, quite smart. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the reasons why I do sorry, think there's a just need... problem. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I am just going to correct myself as well. Um, it's not all. I've I've been selective with my. Uh, with my figures there so it's not it's six in some of the highest nations so that this is the african woman's um replace uh, uh birth rate so it's six in six and 6.2 in some of the higher nations but it does drop down to like 4.9 5.5 so it's between five 4.9 and 6.65 just for clarity okay thank you for that michael i'll, I'll say this we'll say these migrant immigrants come from Generally poor backgrounds, would we agree? In most cases. Most cases, generally. Would we agree that poor people in Britain, white, white as well, like native population, generally have more kids than a richer population, like the upper class? 
I would have thought so, yeah, because of uh, education and f- higher and further education and mm-hmm. things like that. I think traditionally, yes, you're correct. One of the reasons why I do agree there is a immigration problem in Britain, I definitely think that. I do agree that there has been a big problem with what obviously Tony Blair policy and what EU was doing when it came to the refugee crisis. I think it was very mishandled and I do think there's an immigration problem in Britain. In saying that, I would still like immigration to be easier in Britain, though I would like illegal immigration to be tackled exponentially. And the reason I'm going to bring up birth rates for the African woman is generally what you find, this has happened historically uh, for China and the Irish and the Italians who went to America, and the same Irish came over to Britain in like the 1900s. And generally, immigrant population growth is high because generally they also are poorer backgrounds and are generally lower educated. And migrants tend to have lower children, more children, sorry, than the native population. This does die around the third generation because then the cultural norms of the majority country gets into play around about the third generation. So only if projected outcomes of the current non-EU, say Muslim, Pakistani population, I assume when you talk about non-EU uh, population growth, we're mainly talking about uh, Pakistan and uh, Africa? Uh, mainly, yes. Yeah. Mainly. Well, the Middle East and Africa, yes. Middle East and Africa. Yeah. Those projected outcomes of becoming the minority in some cases of the articles would say are only if the population growth stays the same but historically this usually dies down and it kind of gets to around about the same as the native population after the cultural norms play a part and that's why that, I disagree that's, with you but that's if immigration was to stop altogether like so say for instance um, i mean i can't remember who it was a moment ago who brought up uh who brought up uh that there was 15 million uh, who was that was that you or joe or you ted who brought up 15 million migrants in, before joe. 2050 was it joe sorry joe um well if each one of those had a, a replacement level uh, a birth rate level of six that would equal mm-hmm. 90 million 90 million children you know yeah. and, and and i mean that is with current trends up until 2050 taking into consideration their current but uh, their current birth rates and i mean that's that to me is is, is i mean how do, how do you expect our hospitals and our, our agriculture and our infrastructure like roads trains and even our schools and that how do you like we don't there's no what logical way that we can explain what's going on as it's as being a good thing for British people or British children or future generations. I mean, I know they use the the argument of we stripped your pension pots. We need younger people to work. Well, you know, like it's not my fault that you stripped it, and I'd, I'd rather not be replaced in my own country demographically, whether it be purposeful or not. You know, because somebody made a, a, a financial error. I do agree with you. I do think the mass migration has been a big issue and it's hurt people's wages, it's hurt people's um, how much rent they have to pay and it's hurt, um, I, I guess I would say for lots of people like yourself, it's been a scary cultural change for many people and I can understand that. And also I don't have the same cultural difference as an Englishman would. I live up north in Scotland, we do not have the same population uh, demographic change that other cities would see, such as uh, Birmingham in London. 
and I can understand why someone would be annoyed at that. Like, I've spoken to people from the United Emirates, and they have been scared of the African population as well. And I've mm. spoken to people in um, Lebanon. They Lebanon right now is going through a similar crisis when it comes to the Syrian refugees. Lebanon is also going through lower wages, um, higher rents, because they're afraid of the Syrian population invading into Lebanon because it's a big increase, such as what we have in Britain. But what Joe said earlier is what I agree with. It's not a replacement. It's more of an addition to the accumulative income, uh, a cumulative population of the migrants. And this is a problem as it is in very high numbers, but I don't see that as a deliberate attack on the native population. Um, Joe, would you like to speak about Germany, or Michael, would you like to finish off something? Uh, uh, no, no, no go, go ahead, Joe. I, I mean, yeah, obviously I do disagree with that, but I'm not going to interject on the interest of flood. We can speak on it uh, later. Um, of course. We'll touch on it with Joe. Uh, okay, so... In 2015, I, I just read that Germany received about 900,000 migrants. Uh, if we go off of that rate, the, the native uh, white German ethnic population is about 65 million. So if you get 900,000 people a year, it'll be about 70 years until the uh, foreign population is same as the native population. But even before you get to that point, what you're going to have are cultural clashes, and you can already see it happening now. If you look at Germany now, um, women are buying self-defense uh, weapons, I guess you could say, in, in record numbers um, because guns are illegal in Germany. Uh, these, these cultural clashes that are already happening right now are going to get worse and worse. And e even if you take birth rate into consideration and say... You chop that number in half and you say 35 years until the populations are about equal. Even if you take that into account, you're going to see some major cultural clashes, I think. And not to say that cultures can't eventually be compatible or people can't understand each other. But at the moment, this um, this drastic increase uh, in, in a culture that people do not have experience with, that, that's creating a lot of problems right now. Uh, so I, I think for Germany, the situation is a, a lot more severe because n not only are they facing um, potentially economic problems, but they're facing um, an increase in violence and cultural incompatibility. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to jump in there. Uh, was your finish, sorry? Yeah, that, 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 that was it pretty much. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I do agree that Germany has got it a lot worse, but we, we, we're seeing the, the, the beginnings of it. We was a few years later to this uh, this development which has happened. Uh, but Germany, let's remember, I mean, I, I, I feel sorry for German people living in Germany because of what's going on. But, I mean, you had someone like Angela Merkel who just opened the borders to everyone else while she was in a free movement area with the rest of Europe. I mean, that that to me is a crime, you know. And if if and I'm just going to say quickly, she won the Charlemagne Award as well. The you know the the award that's honoured to clergy. So I mean, when you look at these people and these people who are behind these mass movements of uh, of, of migrants, 
all of them have won this award. And and I mean, I, I can't help but notice. I can't help but notice who is involved in this, and they're all being awarded and pats on the back by each other for increasing this. And I I mean, I I refuse to think that this is just because somebody is too stupid or we're all too polite to say anything. So I just think for this not to be by design, it, I, I, I refuse to believe that that level of stupidity exists. Uh, so uh, about that, just real quick, uh, I think it's often seen, uh, especially from people who believe in this, that their intentions are sinister, um, the people who are orchestrating this. But you know, I think it's also important to remember that a lot of people also see this as a humanitarian crisis and a lot of people see it as their responsibility to help these these migrants because Europe and the the allied nations uh, played a large role in, in destabilizing the area and creating the problems there that exist today so I, I don't I don't really think it's it's fair to say that there there's something sinister there especially when what? we haven't sat down with these people one-on-one -on -one and talked to them about what their intentions are. For all we know, they, 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 could be, they could be trying to do something to help people. Then why has she won an award written by the same man who wrote the book to which I read you the excerpt earlier? You know, I mean, that, that to me is... A, I mean, we, we're human, we notice patterns. And, and when you notice that these people are all mixing in the same circles, they're all speaking the same language, they're all following the same code, and, and their plan that they're following and the awards that they've been awarded are, are, are in, in the man's honour that has written about watering down the European race in order to be able to effectively control it. I mean, this was the birth of globalism, for God's sake, you know? It's, 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 about, it's about creating units i mean i think he, he he spoke about dividing the world up into four sections and one of them was russia eurasia and uh, america you know i mean if that doesn't sound like george orwell i um, don't know what does i mean it's exactly so, the same it's, it's a dystopian nightmare about the the awards uh have you ever won an award that you, you uh perhaps weren't expecting <laughs> i've never won anything okay um <laughs> so I just I just want to touch on that real quick. So when I when I made Eagle Scout, um, you know, of course I got recognition from you know National Boy Scouts of America. That much was expected, but some of the things I didn't expect were say recognitions from submarine veterans and uh, the New York State Assembly. You know, th those were awards that I, I didn't expect, and um, you know, you, you know, so to say that people people are in line with some certain ideology or agenda because they received an award i i i'm not sure i, I quite buy into that i mean it's certainly possible but i don't i don't think it's guaranteed because you know for example i i've never really uh, why why was i recognized by the submarine vets yeah i i i never really done much for for veterans i, I mean i i uh, ideologically i mean, I mean not Sure, I, I support them. I think they should have you know benefits and things like that. But what what I did, my Eagle Scout project didn't. I, I don't think necessarily warranted um, recognition from them. So I, I guess what my point is is that awards are necessarily indicators of ideology. Could I um explain maybe why that could be like for the awards? Sure. Go ahead. Could it possibly be that these politicians who 
how do I how do I pronounce this award? Sorry, the Charlemagne. The Charlemagne. Could this be that because the politicians are just clued up with each other, such as like people with like Jeffrey Epstein and like uh, Hillary and stuff, mm-hmm. like clued up to get together? Could it just be that these people are just friends? And such like uh, the Global Awards, the Global Globes. The they're they're just buddies, and they they want they they want to uh, feed their egos. I, I do have a bit. I won't make I won't make this excuse ever again. But I'm going to make this now. I've got a bit of speech impediment. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's okay. I'm stuttering all over the place. <laughs> you doing well. <laughs> but um, um, I mean, that they are friends, and that could be why they just want to give each other a gold star. You, I like you, and you agree with me then why is it in his honor you know and this is why i ask it and why why is he the founder of the pan-european movement why is the european union ursula von der Leyen? look at what she's up guy gave hofstede they're asking for a unified europe with a unified army you know they, they are talking about this now in the european courts and and and, and i mean i i know i can't put my finger on something and say look this is where this person has said that but you start noticing you know judge a man by the company he keeps and that's all i'm saying with this it's it's all connected excuse me gentlemen Uh, just uh just can i can i can i uh say something real quick i i i have to go so i would like to make some closing statements uh real quick and then you guys can keep discussing um because i i think there's a lot more that you guys have to have to say but unfortunately i have to go um Mm -hmm. so is that all right if i make some closing statements real quick of course that's fine yeah okay so uh on the on the topic of this this great replacement this say supposed white genocide first of all i I kind of disagree with the term genocide i I don't think the un is really the the authority on what genocide means a genocide i think is a, a purposeful attack on a group of people so uh replacing people demographically I don't really see that in in any context as as really a genocide, and you're you're welcome to disagree with me on that if you want. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll... F- furthermore, um, these demographic changes in the short term they are not going to be much of a problem beyond um, cultural uh, friction, I think. In the long term, we might start seeing some overpopulation problems. And not to say that um, globally overpopulation is a problem, because I I personally don't believe in that, but regionally overpopulation is probably going to become a problem. But in the short term, and I, I think the short term is the biggest risk factor here, is you're taking people from these destabilized and oftentimes radicalized areas and you're putting them uh, with people who have no experience with them. They have no experience with each other, really. So this this cultural clash is really going to be the biggest problem, I think, at, at least in the short term. Um, and I, I don't think that I don't I don't think it's uh, it's an unsolvable problem per se, but I think it's one that we need to be very aware of and very careful of going forward so that we can address it properly so that it doesn't, you know, get out of hand. Um, so I, I guess in summary, the, the Great Replacement, is it happening? Yeah, kinda. Uh, 
I don't agree with the the 10 years thing. I, I, I think that's kind of blown out of proportion. It's going to happen slower than what a lot of people are saying, but it, it, it is kind of happening just looking at the numbers. Um, mm -hmm. But is it intentional? Uh, you know, that's that's where it gets harder to say because the conspiratorial side of me wants to say yes to that just because when you look at people like Prince Andrew and Epstein and uh, Bill Clinton... You know all these all these people who are connected and they know each other and their buddies. I really want to say that yeah, they're just screwing us over and they're having a good laugh about it. Um, but it, it's important to remember to take a step back and really take your time to have solid evidence about those kinds of things. Uh, and I guess that that that's about all I have to say. Uh, it, it's really been a pleasure talking about uh, this yeah. with you guys and. Um, if yeah, you guys are open to it, I'd love to collab again sometime. Um, I would love but to. Thank you, thank you for this, guys. Um, no, I gotta go good. now. So no, it's been nice chatting with you. Hope everything's okay. Speak to you soon. Yeah, speak to you soon, guys. Have a great debate.